Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Zadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk. Hello, everybody! My name is Tim Daniel, and welcome to another edition of Late Night Reds Talk, the live show and podcast that loves the Cincinnati Reds, part of the Believe Network, presented as always by Bet Online. Our show is live streamed on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and the podcast version is always up for the next morning. I am joined tonight, as always, by my good friends Nick Kirby, Carlos Guevara, and our special guest, Clay Stoden of Just Baseball. Hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, please take two seconds to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us to continue to grow the show. Before we do get into today's show, let's have Nick tell you about our partner, Bet Online, who has the Bengals as four-point favorites tomorrow night at home against the Dolphins in their white helmets. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to Bet Online or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. Well, Clay comes and joins us fresh off his honeymoon. Congrats, my man. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I appreciate it. Uh, still trying to catch up on the sleep and everything from time change and travel. But, hey, I'm here. Yeah. How was how was everything? You spent uh, the week in California. You um, were one of six people at an Oakland A's game. Yeah. Just quickly, I, I saw all the California ballparks. Um, the only home teams that were playing were um, the Oakland Athletics, and I did go to that game. That stadium is just a terrible area. The stadium's miserable, but um, great fans in Oakland, actually. The few that are there, I, I really enjoy them. Um, and then I went to a Dodgers game at Dodger Stadium. They have a flaming hot, like flaming hot Cheeto concession stand, which has like everything flaming hot. Uh, I got amazing. a chicken sandwich there. It's incredible. And I went to a Padres game. I walked around for two hours trying to find Carlos's statue. Um, it's a big stadium, so I just couldn't find it. But beautiful ballpark. Um, we stayed in Coronado, which I'm sure Carlos knows. And um, the food out there is just so much better than it is here. I mean, just plain and simple. <laughs> I think. And Carlos, um, you know, the, oh, you like the tacos out there are so much better. The tortillas themselves are so much better. The everything we had was just better, oh, including absolutely. the baseball. The closer to Mexico you get, the better. Why are the tortillas better? Like they they don't taste anything like the tortillas here. Yeah, because you got to make them homemade. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm glad that you had an awesome, awesome honeymoon, dude. Uh, it's great to have you back here working Thank again. You. Um, let's get into a few minutes of today's ball game, um, where the Reds took their 96 loss of the season in extra innings in the bottom of the 10th, four to three, uh, got a Homer from the farm dog, got a Homer from Fraley. The Reds have now have seven straight losses to the pirates. I will lose. I will ignore that sentiment. This is on you. How's it this on me? Is, uh, just your hate of Pittsburgh. You, you brought this. Yeah, the, I mean, no. What it was was Joey wearing that Pirates jersey. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. That's exactly was that, what was it that was. The, was that the first game of of that series of the first series? Might have been. Look it up. It, it was close to it. It was like uh, towards the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's disgusting. It's 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 vile, and we're never going to speak of it again. But hey, Jose Barrero got three hits today. His first time. That was cool. Um. Yes, Sydney, lose for Cruz. I think we're all in this. So the Reds are now just four losses away from 100 on the season. And at this point, does every loss kind of like, does anyone care if they lose 100 at this point? Or is ever just like kind of just get get yeah. through these last XYZ games? 
I would like for them to lose 100 so we can bring up that clip of Nick saying, we're not going to lose 100 games. <laughs> Looking really good there about three weeks ago. and Yeah. 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 Can't win them all. I don't really care if they lose. No, they can't. No, they can't. Anyway, let's keep it rolling, folks. <laughs> Clay, do you care yeah. if they lose 100 games? Um, I at this point, why not just lose as many as you can? Honestly, I mean, we see it in other sports tanking, and it's proven. I'm actually reading a book right now about the 76ers and their process of tanking, and um, it hasn't really gone very well, Clay. I know, but it's I it, it's complicated with them in particular, but. Tanking works. I mean, it typically works. It probably more so in other sports than base- baseball. But at this point, all you can do is improve your draft stock or, I guess, your chance at getting the first pick, which I know will. 61. On Aaron Judge Homer. 61. He did it? Of course. As soon as the show starts. Again, most likable Yankee ever, including Derek Jeter. I said it. So, yeah. behind Miguel Cairo. Behind Miguel Cairo. Commander Chicago Cairo. White Sox, Chicago White Sox manager Miguel Cairo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, one point in the tanking, I mean, I'm sure that the Astros and Cubs, after they won their World Series and they had top draft picks from those tanking seasons before, I'm sure they're not upset about those hundred lost seasons. I'm sure that you know, right? That 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 weared off pretty quick. So is this I, so? This Cruz fella is he like a Bryce Harper? Harper type. I mean, I'm like not going to junior type. I'm not going to act like I follow the draft all that close, but everything I've read is like, he's at least one of those like consensus number one picks right now, as it stands um, where a lot of years you kind of have, yeah, you know, like this guy's really good, but you know, it, it yeah. seems, it seems like he's more of a real deal and he's already in college. This isn't a high school guy. This is a guy that's already destroying in college. That's going to be the number one pick as a college bat. So it's going to be an impact, you know, quicker as well. So um, he's in junior college. He just finished his freshman or sophomore year, Clay at LSU. Well, he actually transferred to LSU, I believe, um, after finishing his freshman year this past year. Uh, I want to say, gosh, I should know this, NC State or something, or like that that he played his freshman year at. So well, he's just he's old is, enough. That's why. Or was he redshirted or what? Why is he able to leave after his sophomore year? I I'm I don't know exactly the. I the just know he's of, good and he's eligible next year. And yeah, I'm, he, I'm definitely not a big bad. draft guy. I'm not big on just asking on the hard questions draft. over here, fellas. All I'm saying is when Cincinnati teams take guys from LSU in the top five, things go well. So let's just make sure that tradition continues. Let's talk real quick about this, Dick. You wanted to kind of dive into, uh, first off, I always forget Tankathon has more than just the NBA on it. So that was kind of wild. But you kind of went through this. This is the draft lottery odds. Uh, So kind of talk a little bit about this, kind of explain to everybody how this process works. So everyone who's looking at this chart kind of knows what we're looking at. Yeah, so they're going to hold a draft lottery um, at the winter meetings, like the first week of December. Um, so instead of just it being straight worst record, uh, it's it's now odd, odds-based. Um, so if you finish with one of the three worst records, you have the best odds, um, and then they kind of proceed you know, down from there. Um, so the Reds right now, as it stands, have the fourth worst record, um, a game behind the Pirates, but the Reds win the tiebreaker because they lost the season series with the Pirates. So if the two teams end up tied, the Reds will be ahead of the Pirates in the odds order. So, um, I mean, again, just the higher you get, the better chance you have of getting a good player. Of course, even who you pick, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, chance rate. Um, you could have a Nixon Zell at your number two pick, or you could have a Hunter green at your number two pick, you know, it, we felt just as good about both those guys when they were drafted, you know, so it, it, it just, there's a lot, lot to it, but Hey, the better odds you can get, the better chance you have of, of finding that player and, you know, and uh, having a, a player that, that could be a legit uh, franchise changing player. So 
It'll be interesting to watch. It's it's not pointless. The people who say it's pointless, I, I get it. People are mad and upset, but it, it's not inconsequential down the stretch. I mean, it it matters. People are only upset because it's change. We've been through this. If things change, no one likes it. If things stay the same, everyone's happy. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna lose, get the get the best. Yeah. Odds, so. It be it would be uh it'd be pretty uh, funny in like four or five years if if somehow this works out for the Reds they they pass the Pirates and <laughs> the Pirates have a great player that torches the Pirates and uh, the Pirates can look back on those seven wins against the Reds and say yeah we picked a really crappy time to get hot against the Reds and I can give them the middle finger and be like take yeah. that Pittsburgh Tim's gonna get the last laugh damn right I will damn right Pittsburgh's a terrible city. No one can tell me otherwise. All right. Where, let's talk a little real quick because I know this is a hot button from this past week, uh, this past weekend. Uh, Luis Castillo signs a nice oh big old. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Here we go. So Luis Castillo signs a five-year contract for $108 million, extension, I should say, through 2027 with Seattle. First three years of the full no-trade clause. And his vesting option could bring this up to 133 million with the five million club option in 2028. Um, and so this is going to be really, really interesting to kind of hear the four of us talk about this. So I know there's a big hot button right now and people are lying about what people are writing in articles on Twitter. Um, just make sure you read the actual article. If you're going to make any decisions on your thoughts on this, shout out Bobby Nightingale for kind of breaking down the Reds conversation on this. Um, but want to, you know, real quick, kind of get everyone's thoughts on this, Carlos. I know you were pretty upset to see Luis Castillo with his extension was, uh, kind of get your thoughts on if you felt like the Reds should have made the move to keep him here, uh, where you're at with this as well and kind of see what everyone, how everyone else wants to feel about it. I mean, for me, it's really pretty simple. It's, it's kind of funny how all it took was $108 million for five years. That's. Homer Bailey money from how long ago was that? Um, I think his veteran leadership would have been worth 20 million over the span of five years alone for these three guys, um, Lodolo and, and green and Ashcraft to, to look up to and see and just watch him pitch and, and learn from him. Cause he, he was in their shoes and, you know, and he's one of the best in the game right now. So I don't see him dipping far off over the next three years after that. I mean, we'll see, but I think he's going to bring that value back pretty easily. And I think it was a huge miss by Cincinnati, one of the most aggravating ones of the last, whatever, 18 months it's been since they started making these moves. But th- this one is, man, it didn't take much. If, that, if, if they got him for 108, I think he would have given Cincinnati probably more of a discount just to stay there. And, but, they didn't show, you know, you keep hearing on, on, on his comments that he makes and how much he loves the culture there and how fun it is. And, and maybe that was just enough to maybe he'd give him that discount and he didn't want to come to Cincinnati who knows, but I just, it was such an easy contract to give, man. It was, it's simple. I don't see how it could burn you. Yeah. I, I was surprised by the number, not shocked, but, um, I think we all knew the contract extension was coming. You don't trade the massive haul that they traded to the Reds unless you re-sign them. You don't give up this many players with the idea of a team with in Seattle that still has holes and is far from flawless. Um, it's not a push for a World Series this year and let them walk type move that we've seen at times um, with like an Aroldis chap into the Cubs. Um I And I know that we love to pick sides on trades. It's possible that both teams could come out as winners in this, and that's not a bad thing. I would have liked to have seen Luis Castillo signed at that money in Cincinnati, especially now, now that we know the money. At the same time, the Reds got back a, a good return here. and They're going to have players that are most likely going to help them in the future. I mean, we're looking at two top 100 prospects plus a – a couple of arms with at least some intrigue at the very least. Um, I, I just think it's a good deal for both teams. Good, 
good, you know, good on Seattle. This team has not been to the playoffs since 2001. We all act like they're this flawless franchise because last year was fun, even though they scored 51 less runs than their opponents. And this year has been pretty good for Seattle too. And they're looking like a, you know, a playoff team that, you know, potentially could win a series or two and good for them for stepping up and giving their fans something to cheer for and something to believe in Um, all power to them. But at the same time, I'm not too worried about it because the Reds have limited money. We all know that rather we like it or not. That's just the fact. And right now they look to be pretty deep at starting pitching over the next five years. And they said, okay, we need to allocate resources elsewhere. So I don't think it's like a monumental miss or anything. Um, I would love to have Luis Castillo rather than somebody who's unproven. But, you know, if if we looked at Cincinnati as a salary cap, because we know they're not going to just start spending $200 million, um, sometimes you have to make tough decisions and allocate resources elsewhere. And I think that's what they did here. First of all, don't ever use those words together again. Quoting a Nick Crawl like that. <laughs> no, but so if okay, so he, we are now. He, he Castillo has his contract. The Reds have these prospects. What would you rather have, Castillo and that hundred and eight million dollar contract for the next five years, or the haul that they got back? Do I get to use that hundred eight million dollars elsewhere on the roster? Yeah, I think that's so, the thing. No, that, no, 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 no. That's the thing that gets missed. I mean, you also have 108 million plus those prospects. Like they're they're together. But you you don't get that if you don't make the deal. So I'm just like, would you rather keep Luis Castillo here for that 108? If Luis Castillo no, was a like, free agent and it was 108 million dollars, I think it's a no brainer that you sign him. But it, Luis Castillo wasn't a free agent. You had a return for him on top of okay. $108 million. Okay, so which situation would you rather have? Would you rather be Seattle or would you rather be Cincinnati right now? I'd rather be Seattle with Julio yeah. Rodriguez and, you know, Logan Gilbert. And, but I'm saying with the know, package that they got. So Cincinnati has this haul that they got from Seattle, and now Seattle has Luis Castillo. And just talking about these two, which – who would you rather I, have? I, I actually like it for, like I said, for both teams. So if I had to choose, I like Cincinnati because in this situation, you can't leave out an opportunity cost, which is the $108 million that Cincinnati is not tied into. A team that's coming up that's in a rebuild, you need that money to see which players don't fill out and which players need to be replaced, and then you can fill your hole. It's not a lot of money, man. I, I just... It would be great to have him, but is I would argue that starting pitching is probably the deepest in the depth chart in terms of depth chart in the entire organization. So trading from an area of strength to improve the team, I mean, we see it all the time. Um, but it's not very deep at all. You you don't like any of the prospects that are coming up? The starting pitching wise, like not really. Well, I mean, they, they I mean, could use nothing, that. No, none of them project like the top three that's up here, right? Um, No, not necessarily, but, uh, you know. So all, now also, we're talking about top, possibly a number four or number five out of all the rest of them that are down there. If they don't project to what Ashcraft is, because Ashcraft's a borderline three and four. What I'm saying is the Reds are in no position to be – signing up $108 million to a starting pitcher when they have flaws across the roster is what I'm saying. Um, it would make sense if he, if the Reds were where Seattle is, which is a good team trying to push over to a great team. But as we've seen, the Reds are not in that position at all. So maybe when they're good in two, three, four years, he'll be near the end of that contract. He'll be much older and likely, I mean, I'm not Luis Castillo. We've seen his talent. I'm not going to say he's going to be declining, but most players, you know, once they get to that age, begin their their decline. So it, it's just a timeline thing. It it's it's a team life cycle thing where where does your team stand right now? Doesn't make sense um, to have 
34-year-old Luis Castillo when you're good? Maybe it does, you know, and t- time will just have to tell. I'm, I think it's close, though. I really do. And if if you or anybody else says, I'd rather have Luis Castillo, like, I'm not even going to argue that, like, too too much. Like, I, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I would just rather have the money to use elsewhere to improve the roster. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with clay on that. I just, I think the combination of, of the, the prospects and, um, and, and the ability to spend the money, I'm not as, as bullish as, as clay maybe on the, the overall starting pitching depth. I think the reds are going to have to add uh starting pitching. Um, but you can, you know, you can add a lot more with, with, with these other holes, you know, hopefully filled with with a guy like uh, Noel V. Marte, um, you know, hopefully in the middle of your lineup. He, he's not not all that far away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the combination of the two for me, I think was where the Reds are. I think it's the better move for the Reds. Just, you know, how many how many of the years of Luis Castillo's best years of that contract are you going to be a legitimate bona fide playoff team? That should be at least two to three of it. But that's the back end. Those are the. You know, it's just two and three years from now. Yeah. Also interested to see where the pitching market goes. Um, you know, th- this contract, I mean, I was shocked at how 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 low it was. Uh, but, you know, the Joe Musgrove contract also shocked me with, with how low that was. That was what, five years, 100 million, even less than that. And you could make a case Musgrove's been better than Castillo or at least close the last couple of years. I mean, they've been you know, right there. So I, is the pitching market going down? I mean, it's hard to tell. And that stuff is always kind of in flux and it it all depends on how much one team's willing to give at a certain time. And that, that kind of sets the market. But I think that's kind of another interesting thing, you know, to this is uh, what's the actual pitching market right now. What's the pitching market going to be here in the next couple of years. That's kind of, I think something interesting to watch. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Look, I love having Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo. I understand that, you know, you don't have that without trading Luis Castillo, but I, I understand totally where Carlos is coming from. I think just having that guaranteed, you know, the talent level of the one guy uh, really matters a lot. And I think that, yeah. Um, yeah, Carrick Melvin has a good point about Chase Petty. I do like Chase Petty a lot. Uh, I think he has a lot of really good upside. Um, but I, I totally get where Carlos is coming from. I have no issue whatsoever with keeping Luis Castillo. Um, if that was a decision they made and I think a Luis Castillo, Nick Liddell, Hunter green thing could be a lot of fun. And I think it'd be something that could be, you know, if you were in that situation and you are in the first round and you're in a best of three or a best of five, then, you know, it could be hard to beat those three, especially as green Liddell continue to improve. Yeah. Really good question here from reds and four kind of, uh, who will have more war over the next five years, the prospects plus one, 15 million free agent Luis Castillo kind of an interesting thing that I was looking I was looking at the the zips 2024 projections the only player that so far that they have projected that the Reds got was uh Novi Marte and they actually haven't projected at 3.2 wins and uh, Castillo's 3.9 now again this is you know multiple years down the road and it's a projection system but Novi Marte by himself could could beat out Luis Castillo he could also be a bust it, it's it, it it's completely possible um, but when you're a top 20 prospect in baseball, I mean, you have the potential to be, you know, one of the best players on the planet. So you, you have to see. But I mean, this trade could could end up being something that we look back at 10 years as an absolute steal for the Reds. It completely changed the franchise. It could also just be um, a trade that, you know, these most of these guys don't work out. And, you know, you miss out on Luis Castillo and, you know, hopefully you're able to use that money somewhere else. I think the safer bet is what the Reds did, in my opinion. I think the one thing, too, is... Scared money don't make money, baby. So I wonder if the fan base that's, like, upset about this, um, and this isn't me calling out anyone in particular. We've done enough of that on the show already this week. <laughs> Shout out, um, Steve. God, Carlos is just going all in. We're going to get some angry, t- angry tweets this week. Um do you wonder, like, if the fan base that's really upset about this is, like, not trusting because of... And look, totally different situations. But, you know, when they traded Johnny Cueto to Kansas City, none of those guys worked out. And then, you know, obviously with the role as Chapman, they felt like they had to hurry him off because of allegations that were going on off the field. None of those guys worked out. 
So do you think maybe that's playing into this, that they maybe feel like they don't, they don't trust this because of those circumstances? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the Reds also got Luis Castillo for Dan Straley. Right. So, yeah. I mean, and Reds have just had a weird trade history. I mean, they've like missed on the big ones and uh, uh, nailed some of the unexpected ones. All I'm going to say is William O'Pena for Bronson Arroyo. I mean, the way the Reds got Brandon Phillips. I mean, you know, they've had some, they seem to have hit more on these, uh, these kind of silly. Take VP. Yeah, I have. Oh, buddy. I saw him hit one like near the top of the batter's eye in Louisville, which is like a ridiculous ball. (laughs) If you know that stadium, It, it truly like scared me because I was like, anyone with that much, like raw strength could literally kill a human with their hands. I'll never forget when the Reds traded Juan Francisco for JJ Hoover and then Juan Francisco hit a grand slam off of JJ Hoover at GABP. That was painful. JJ Hoover had one of the best years uh, in recent memory as a Reds reliever and then had one of the worst years in recent memory <laughs> as a Reds reliever. Like back to back years. He had a he had a hell of a career, man. That was uh that was he a did. roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about Hunter Green because obviously since his return from the IL, dude that has been good. insane. That boy's good. That boy's very good. Um, Let's talk about this real quick because seven, since coming back, 17 innings, six walks, 29 strikeouts, the 106 ERA, the 1.88 FIP, 300 pitches over 100 plus miles per hour. That's you know, through the season, of course. But, dude, this team's got Hunter Green and Nicoladolo for a couple of years. So, that doesn't suck. It does not suck. I think he's incredible, especially since returning, as you can see the stats on the screen and what, what Tim just went over. And um, something that just popped into my head is, what if the Reds wanted to? I know that this is not something they've typically done, but extend Hunter or buy out arbitration for Hunter Green or and or Nicoladolo with that one hundred eight million dollars. Like that's something I'm all in on. I um, am too. I think we all forget how young Hunter Green is because he feels like he's been around forever. We've heard about the talent for so long, and then when he missed time with injury. Uh, what was like two years in COVID and um, it just felt like Hunter green has been around forever, but this guy is still super young. We've seen the ups and downs, but the flashes of just brilliant pitching show you the ceiling of Hunter green. And it's something that Cincinnati fans should be very excited about and seeing him in Lodolo in the same rotation for, you know, at least the next few years, hopefully beyond that as well is it's just incredible. And um, I would love it if they took that Luis Castillo quote, quote, the quote unquote Luis Castillo money and use some of that to kind of buy out some RBers and sign up green and Lodolo long-term now, you know, they're pitchers. It's probably not something that happens as much with pitchers compared to batters. And there's always injury risk, but if you want to kind of get some, vibes back in the fan base that that's one way to do it carlos i would ask you about this because we've talked about this obviously all year um but you've mentioned just the importance of for young pitchers yeah obviously they want to have multiple pitches but how much building off of locating your fastball can help out and obviously since he's come back from the il he's really done a great job locating his fastball have you noticed that as well? Kind of something where, you know, so he's, what he's building off of, how he's able to extend innings and kind of make pitches happen and get outs, you know, really in the first three or four pitches of an at-bat? Yeah, his fastball location has been way better. Um, and that's the majority of pitching. That's 75% of pitching is locating your fastball. And um, Joey told me he had a conversation with Hunter about what makes – like Jacob deGrom, Jacob deGrom, what makes Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer, what makes Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw. And it's locating your fastball. And if you're throwing it at whatever, we'll just say 97, and you're putting it where you want, all your pitches go up. Your other ones go up two to three notches. And and that's a lot. 
And his secondary pitch is outstanding. And, you know, his changeup, it's, it's got a lot to go, but still it makes that bad changeup almost look normal, like a good changeup, because that fastball location is just unreal. If you can throw 97 up and away, low and away, low and in, just move it around where you want, that's the key. He will be a billion-dollar man, and that's kind of where I don't think where he's going he's gonna to ever sign an extension here in Cincinnati because he's – He's already marketing himself. He's all. I just get the feeling that he wants something bigger, and I think we need to enjoy Hunter while we have him. Well, they, one thing they could do is they could buy out his arbitration years, like Clay said, and maybe look at just adding even just like one year, which could be super valuable to the Reds as maybe the trade off for you know him getting guaranteed money now. He has one more year. He's still going to hit free agency at a relatively young age. So maybe that might be – I agree with you, uh, Carlos, that I don't think Hunter Green's looking to sign a 12-year contract today with the Reds unless it's, you know, stupid money. Um, but but they might be able to do, you know, one more. And I think Hunter Green would, would make sense um, as an extension candidate. I don't really think that um, Lodolo would just because he's a little bit older, has had a little bit more injury risk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would love for them to be exploring that now again, what is, what is Hunter asking for? You know, it, it all depends on, on that. They shouldn't be just, you know, going crazy on that, but you know, uh, if it's something that makes sense, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely be exploring it. Pitchers don't really sign early, right? Our clubs don't really sign like near as close. I mean, like, like hitters do, right? It, it usually doesn't happen just because of injury risk and because of kind of, I guess, like market value. Like how much is Spencer Steer worth right now, the rookie in Atlanta, right? I mean, he's probably worth $25 million plus. You're not going to give him that likely right now. You know, you, rare, you rarely see the pitchers extended early. Um, but I, I've talked about it on here before. I know that we've talked about it. When you're a small market team, you have to take calculated risk. I'm not saying every risk should be taken, but you have to hit on some 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 risk to be good. And if the Reds evaluate it and say this is our best risk is to try to buy out the RBers for Hunter Green and keep him an additional year to pass that, then I'm all for it. But you will have to take a risk if you're a small market team on occasion. We saw that with the free agent signings. And some paid off, some didn't, right? And 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 now with the trades as well, they they took a big risk there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm all for for signing Hunter Green if they could, but I also echo what you all say. I don't picture Hunter Green being like Cincinnati Red until he dies type thing, like like Votto is or Barry Larkin was. I just like on that point, uh, Clay. I just feel like their window's only five more years. And well, next year's going to be a wash. So they've got three more years, maybe. And, and, and because they're, they're, they're banking on these cheap pitching, this, this cheap pitching, and they can add some others. So I think the window here is really, really small for them to be successful unless and, they get really lucky in one of these prospects or two or three of these prospects hit on the starting market because that's where you win. Everybody knows starting pitching is where you win. And if they're not going to spend money on it, then then what are we do, even doing? Yeah, and, you know, we saw them bring back some younger prospects as well. And, you know, Chase Petty was super young, 18 years old when they got him. So they are kind of spacing out the years a little bit, but you're, you're 100% right. And at the end of the day, these prospects are assets. If they are in year, you know, let's just say 2027 20, or eight or whatever it is. And, you know, the end's kind of coming. They can still trade prospects. They can still add that way. Um, but starting pitching is really expensive. You're right. It is even like a number five starter. It's going to be between five and $10 million for Same a lot of minor and uh, Mike minor. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it gets expensive fast and, that they've invested a lot into it. They've invested a lot into 
the draft into um, you know signing amateur free agents as well. So in trading for for starting pit, pitching assets, I know that we'll talk about that a little bit once we talk about the prospects. Character brings up a good point, kind of what I would get at. I, I hope we're done with window talk. Like we sh- threads shouldn't be having windows. Um, that's that's ridiculous. Um, there's teams that spend a fourth of what the Reds spend that don't have these giant big windows. And the way you get windows is by signing bad contracts. That's why when you get windows. So if you're not signing bad contracts and you're able to keep turning players over and continuing to draft and develop and, and, and trade players while they still have value and you continue to do all those things right, you don't have the, this is our three or four year window. So I, I hope that's the goal. Um, Johnny Cueto would be the the player that you'd be looking at for an extension. The Reds extended him in January 2011. That was after his third season. I think that's the last. They did also extend Rysel Iglesias. Um, I believe he was still considered a starter when they did that extension. Um, so it, it Hunter Green probably is maybe one more year away, but I don't I don't know. I might be looking at him now being a little more aggressive with him just because of like what Carlos said about his, you know, transcendent value or whatever that is, or, or whatever he's going to be looking at, you know, the longer you wait, the harder it's going to get with, with a guy like Hunter green, maybe a guy like Nick Lodolo or a guy like Graham Ashcraft, you could be a little more patient and wait and still be able to get a decent value contract in a couple years. But, you know, Hunter, he, he may be more of a little bit of a, um, you know, ticking, you know, clock where you where you gotta you know be a little more aggressive yeah yeah i think it's uh he's definitely a unique dynamic um like clay said i am all for going with the idea of going ahead and signing through his arbitration years um i think you see teams like the astros do this and it works out really well for them uh so yeah let's move forward with that uh nick Lodolo, real quick obviously why well, we can't talk about one without the other um since he's since in the month of September has been also absolutely incredible. Forty four strikeouts in thirty one innings. Um, you know, I know we're kind of the conversation for the Red Sox of the future and what's going on there. And as much as great as Hunter Green's been, I think we all have kind of had this conversation of, uh, you know, Carlos and I at least have about, you know, why should Nick Lodella be the starter on opening day next year? And I am totally all for that idea. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely earned it out of the three or anybody who's coming back next year. Um, I don't know. I think they're still going to hype around um, Hunter Green more. But, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely fun to pit, uh, watch pitch. That slider talked about it the last couple of times, man. It's sexy Something. as hell. Yeah, it is. I don't. David Bell did start a uh, Sunday Gray over uh, Luis Castillo. I mean, there was no one there, but <laughs> on opening That's day, true. As kind of yeah. like, a, a, and it felt like the reason he did it was because he was rewarding Sunday Gray. But Gray had a better season than Castillo in, in 2019, even though Castillo was obviously the, you know, I don't know, face of the franchise or bigger name or better talent or whatever you want to say. But yeah. Uh, I have a question for you guys on uh, on Lodolo and and Green because individually I, I can't say that this was the best case scenario for them because you could have like a Spencer Strider or some ridiculous breakout season, but collectively those three Green Lodolo and Ashcraft is this was what we got out of the three collectively the best case scenario I I mean I think so I, I would have been I would have taken two of them coming out at the end of the year feeling good about them. You mean health-wise? No, I mean just performance-wise. I mean, collectively, collectively, the three of them, is this like the best-case scenario for them, what they put together in the rookie year? As a whole? As a whole, the three of them combined. Not individually. Hunter Green could have had a more of a breakout year. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're walking into the offseason saying, we think that we have three rookies with lots of team control on cheap contracts, which is what the Reds salivate over, um, that are like legitimate MLB pitchers. And as Carlos said previously, that's hard to find in the minors. Like you, 
you don't develop a ton of MLB pitchers unless you're Cleveland. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're walking into next year saying, we have three rotation spots that we all believe can take a step forward. Now, if they will or won't, that will be seen. But to me, I'm pretty confident that the Reds have a good stretch of a few years here with Green, Lodolo, um, and Ashcraft that, you know, have ceilings that have not been reached yet. And from what we've seen and considering that I don't think they've reached their ceilings, that's going to be a pretty good rotation. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited about the the first two um, Lodolo and green. I'm still not really sold on Ashcraft yet. What do you think of Ashcraft in the bullpen? Like, uh, I think he would be pretty nasty. Yeah. Because he would just cut it either way. Mix yeah. in a splitter or a nasty changeup, but he's too valuable right now, and right. seems to be throwing too many strikes. And I mean, not too many strikes, like enough strikes, not walking people. So he's got to be a starter right now right. until the league makes their adjustments, which I feel like they're going to do. Uh, if I'm making a projection, I mean, I don't want them to, but I just I, I get that vibe from him still. I don't think he's he's quite at the level as a, as the first two. And, well, he, and I don't think anybody is saying that he should be, right. but he's on the right track. So to answer back to Nick's question, yeah, I think it's best case scenario from what they got, mainly because of Ashcraft. I just can't believe how much better they've all got as the season gone on. Maybe not Ashcraft as much, but let me read off the second half ERAs. Lodolo is at 3.00. Green is at 1.23. Now he hasn't pitched a ton of innings, but... Ashcraft's at 3.9, 3.83. All three of them are under four ERAs in the second half. And that's just, like, you would expect, you know, some of these guys to kind of slow down as the year's gone on, but they have gotten better. And that's that's the most encouraging thing for me as we progress into uh, next season is that they got better as the year went on. Uh, be careful with that, though, because they each took about a month off. You think you think them getting taking that month off and coming back? I think stronger? it was a scheduled. I think it was a scheduled month off on all accounts. So Makes sense. Yeah, I like that they pitched to the end of the year though. I like that they weren't shut down September first. I know Carlos, you talked about that too. I I, yeah. I do. I like that they, you know, that they uh, they'll get to to finish the year feeling good. For sure, that's that's definitely a huge booster going into the off season, and for them to be finishing up the way that they are. That's awesome. Can we also just make mention that Nick Lodolo dressed up as Spider-Man? Like, How did he, we he not had... put Tim in this photo? How did we not Photoshop him in there? I, I didn't see this till like 820. I mean, I just, you know, I, I ran out of time. I'm sorry. Well, this one here on the right, the one with uh, Green Ashcraft and whoever the hell's in the middle. We need to add that's Tim Lodolo. to that one. Yeah, okay. that's Lodolo dressed as Spider-Man. <laughs> it's like he knew We've got that, I would, that I would love this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but like the rookie dress was pretty cool. Jose Barrera was a Ghostbuster. I I can get behind that. Tim could do a whole show on that. Dude, I, I, I want to clarify something uh, that I saw in the comments. When I said Ashcraft to the bullpen, that, that was not an immediate thing. That was not me saying now. I was talking about, you know, in the future, if, if it doesn't work out, like I could see him being a really – what I'm saying is his value. I don't think he loses value if he doesn't succeed as a starter because I think he can be a great bullpen arm for the same reasons that Carlos said. I in no way want him to go to the bullpen yet. Uh, so I, I just want to clarify that. He would he would be better than Alexis Diaz in the bullpen. Yeah, I'd love like, the multiple innings too as a reliever. Yeah. If he could do that. that. That's something I feel like the Reds have not had a lot of. You know, I had a lot of guys that could could go and give you multiple innings, and with the way the game's gone, that that is super valuable. Like the Cardinals have a lot of guys that can do that. Like Egos, he can just go and give you two innings and two really quality innings. So, yeah, I would. Uh, I, I think if Ashcraft moves to the bullpen, that's a great thing for the Reds because that means someone was good enough. S- someone's were good enough to fill the rotation spots and bump him. So, if Ashcraft's in the bullpen. Things are looking pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So the last six games of the year, we're getting there. Um, 
you got six games with the Cubbies. You got Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green making one more start, Graham Ashcraft with two against Wade Miley in both of those. So, you know, hello, darkness, our old friend uh, right there. But, you know, finish, I guess, not How strong. great would it be if Wade Miley gave us number 100? It's possible. I mean, that would probably be very possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you seen the batting lineup every day lately? Uh, very yeah, possible. Cubs are, uh, yeah. Cubs are playing pretty good baseball too. We gotta, we gotta put something on this. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, something on this with Joey. Ricotta. If you you're not watching the Reds recently, and you're probably just going to like mail in the rest of the year. I would highly suggest if you just watch even one of these games, the Monday game, that pitching matchups is actually awesome. Hey, Hayden Wazinski is just really enjoyable to watch. Um, tons of movement on his stuff. And, of course, Hunter Green we just talked about. So if if I can convince you for must-watch Cubs, Reds in September of 2022, it's Monday. And we all know no one else is doing anything on a Monday night. And flip back and forth with football. Or just watch the Reds. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to miss it when they're gone. Yes, you will. Even if you hate them right now. Two two more starts for Ashcraft. That's exciting. You know, he's going to get two two more cracks and Dolo and Green. Yeah. Be be great to see them all finish the year, you know, pretty strong. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk real quick uh, to do a little bit of a prospect watch as we're winding down this season. So, Dick, what are you? We'll see you guys. Have a good night. Talk to y'all later. (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, so Clay, we had a couple prospects that we talked about that uh, uh, we wanted to specifically discuss with you. Hopefully, guys, that we haven't nauseated the conversation with too much, hence why you don't see Ellie De La Cruz on here. But let's start with uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand and uh, 32 home runs, 152 weighted runs created plus. Clay, my question for you, can you make a case that CES is the best hitter in the red system. Oh man. Um, I wouldn't want to go that far just because Ellie De La Cruz is in the system still. And I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, Strand since coming over has ticked down a little bit. Not, you know, he's not bad by any means. He still have, has been really good. Um, he was only drafted, I think two years ago in the fourth round but it looks like a pretty advanced bat to me. And um, he's starting to hit the ball the other way a little bit more too, um, which, which is encouraging. The only concern I have with him right now about the outlook of where he's going to play is I think he's looking more like a DH first base, which isn't exactly an issue. You know, Votto is eventually going to retire, or at least I think he is. Um so the first base will be vacant. So he could slide in there or DH. I like the outlook for Encarnacion Strand. Um, and the reason why he may not be higher on list is simply because a lot of lists do not value first baseman as high as other positions. So it's rather you agree with that or not, typically first baseman will not be as high as other positions on list. I think you can make a case he's the best sitter in the system. I believe. I think he could get caught up before Ellie to the show. Well, he's older than Ellie and, and you know. They're going to be less worried about calling yeah. him up early as opposed to Ellie. So, yeah. I think you're going to see him soon. I'm excited. I'm excited. Every time I watch his uh, at-bats, he's, uh, man, he just he, he knows what he's doing. All right, Matt McLean, uh pretty much spent the entire year in double A. So, I feel like maybe his numbers deserve a little more credit than maybe like Encarnacion Strand or maybe an Ellie De La Cruz because they played a lot more games in uh, um, in high A. Uh, but overall, 17 home runs, 27 stolen bases, 116 WRC plus, low average, really good on base. Where do you see Matt McLean right now, Clay? Yeah, I I really hope he is the guy who can take over center field. Um, assuming that Ellie De La Cruz sticks at short, you know, there's still Barrero and and. Uh, Marte to me is a third baseman. Um, I would love if McLean could move to center. I I don't know why. I just feel like he 
kind of the way I watch him, what I see is him moving off of short. Um, I think he would be really good at second base. His profile fits second base pretty well. And if, you know, that would require India to move to a different position or DH. I thought Matt McLean was good this year and had stretches when he was really good. And I think an injury kind of hampered him a little bit. I, I think he's coming up next year. I don't know if he makes the opening day roster, but I would love to see him get at bats next season. And I, I'm still high on him. I don't know. It's kind of hard to see like the consensus of what everyone else thinks about him. Um, But yeah, I mean, he has some speed, he has some power and I I've always said that he's kind of like to me, what, or I said this before the season that he is kind of what we thought Nixon Zell's profile not exactly Nixon's else projection, but his profile could be. Um, I don't know if I still feel that way or not, but um, yeah, I I mean, I, I think he's going to stick around with the Reds and be a, a major league starter. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll see him next year at some point. Uh, McLean is going to be playing in the fall league. Be interested to see what position he plays. That could be something to watch. Could the Reds be maybe trying him out in center field the fall league? I don't know. Interesting. Uh Christian Roa, he was the Reds' second-round pick in 2020. Kind of became a forgotten guy. all the way down to the number 30-ranked prospect, uh, but actually finished the year really strong with Chattanooga. Uh, I think he only made three starts, but they were all three really good starts after he got promoted at the end of the year. What's your thoughts on him? Was he a 2020 draft pick? Second second pick in 2020? It, I don't know why. I, I feel like he's been around forever for some reason. I don't know why, but... um. Yeah, and, and you know, we're trying not to exhaust a lot of prospects. So, so some people on these lists, if you haven't heard of them or if you aren't high on them, you know, we're, we're just trying to inform some people about them. But, yeah, he he was good this year. And I know that I think Nick went to one of his starts and, and had, had some positive things to say. And there were outings that he looked really good. Um, he has a four-pitch mix, which is encouraging. And I, I just don't know if any of them really stand out to me. And he's just one of those guys we want everyone to kind of know his name because I wouldn't completely rule him out or anything like that. He hasn't been that bad. And his last three starts were encouraging, um, struggled a bit with walks as well, but, um, definitely got to kind of keep on the radar and kind of see where he goes. He's kind of bounced up and down the list. Um, the, the top 30 list that is. So we'll see how it looks next year in double a, if he gets a full season there, that's what I would assume would happen. Yeah, for my uh, four innings uh, sample size, uh, I did like his his stuff. He had some uh, hitters shaking their head, but uh, he does not know where he didn't know where the ball was going. At least on that night. So, all right, let's move on to you say Kristen Santana, uh, the guy who was at Louisville all year, kind of has gotten some sort of uh, cult following. Um, I'm not sure I see it, but talk to me about Santana. Yeah, so. Offline, Nick and I were discussing which prospects to talk about, and we were kind of like picking a couple of prospects that probably don't have much of a future that we just want to at least touch on and get people familiar with. So Santana has some power, and he's he's shown that, yeah, 11 home runs this year. He does not walk at all. I, I want to say off the top of my head it was like 6.3% walk rate or something. And that was the highest that he's had in years. And it's the Proof first man. time he's been over 4% in years, which is just. Hey, hey, hey whoa, whoa, whoa. He, was at, he was at very nice 6.9 this year. 6.9. Sorry. That is very nice. So 3.2 um, last year, 2.4 the year before. Yeah. So it's, improvement. It's, it's unlikely to translate. There's just not MLB players that succeed with those numbers often. And hey, Tim. Hey. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I don't see Santana as a future piece, but I know that a lot of people have talked about him and he's shown a little bit and he can play first and third and um, has even played short back in the day when he was in the Dodger system. But um, a minor league free agent, at least a guy that's interesting. And I thought that that we could at least mention. All right, very good. Let's move on. The top 100 prospect list from our guy, Aram Layton. 
Uh, I counted one, two, three, four, five, six Cincinnati Reds on the list. How about that, Clay? Yeah, Aram put in a disgusting amount of work on this. I, I, I don't know if it's healthy or not. Um, the amount of hours and text I would receive at really strange hours of the day and night throughout the week about some of these players. And um, and that's why I value this list. And it's not just because I write for just baseball. It really isn't. Um, it's because Aram put in like weeks thinking about the difference in like two or three players. And he really takes pride in this. And he was talking to me about putting Ellie even higher than this at times. Um, so he's super high on him and you can see why, I mean, Cruz is just tooled up and, um, he's a little bit lower on Marte than some list. I'm sure you can see that he has him number 32. If you're listening on Spotify or any of the other, um, apps, he's just worried. And I talked to him about this and he was kind of concerned about how pole happy Marte is. And if that could, um, kind of affect him, but Marte had only 20 years old. I mean, there's still plenty of time to figure that out. Um, Edwin Arroyo at another nice 69, 19-year-old in, in low A, um, another m- middle infielder. Cam Collier is on there at 76. Matt McLean at 80, who we've talked about. Um, and Spencer Steer makes it in at 90. And I know that a lot of people like Steer, and I know that it's kind of been, you know, not incredible since he's been called up or anything, but... Um, it's more the approach and the bat to ball skills and the added power that he showed this year in the minors compared to previous years that kind of notched him in the back end of this top 100. Yeah, very good. I was excited to see uh, steer on the list. I was kind of surprised. And one thing that you should know about these lists too, um, usually, and of course, Aram is the only person that makes the decision on where they're ranked. However, he consults, tons of people on all of this, Um, but a little insight to how it's made. He's usually not going to rank a really, really young player all that high. And the reason why is just because he needs to see more. He needs to see more against pitchers at that level or pitchers who are advancing. So a Cam Collier at number 69 or whatever he was, is actually, or yeah, I'm sorry, 76 is actually really good because he's only 17 years old and, you don't want to put him top 30 because the last thing you want to do is start moving him down as he struggles and move him up and down, you know, and it fluctuates so much. So um, I, I mean, I think the future is bright here. I know that we've talked about it enough and I know that Carlos is going to want, want to talk about this as well. So um, I, I was excited with the list. Um, I know some people may not like where Marte is listed, but Ellie De La Cruz top five is pretty impressive. Edward Arroyo is the nicest prospect in baseball, according to R.M. Layton. Really? I did, I did not see him say that. Did, did, did you? Did you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, what the <laughs> Tim Tom? Oh, sorry. Hell yeah. Now we're, now we're starting. Let's go. Did we, yeah. 10111 edit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making Nick work late tonight. What else is there, baby? That's what we're all about. <laughs> he he deals with us on a weekly basis. So, um, we've talked about a lot of somber, bad red stuff this week. Um, so I think it'd be cool to kind of talk about the anniversary of Clinchmas from 2010. Uh, I was in attendance this night, Nick. I believe you were too, as well. Correct. I was up in the view level. Uh, I didn't get any pictures because I don't think I had a camera back then, but I was there. Yeah, so I was in left field. Uh, This was back in the day. Remember when you could buy your tickets online and they had the ticket kiosk outside where you just go in there and like put your debit card in that you purchase it with and they'll print your tickets out? So I did that number. I said I was a senior citizen to get the uh, $10 tickets that night. So, And admitted it. Wow. Yeah, what can they do now? It's been 12 years, right? Uh, the, uh, the Reds are coming after you. I mean, thankfully, you said this at 102.17, so I doubt anyone's actually still listening. But Yeah, um, this part's for the people who hang out live. So That's risky. <laughs> yeah, as you can see here, this picture of the right I took from left field when Bruce hit the walk-off 
And the bottom left, there's me when I was 122 pounds on the far right in the bottom left photo with my That's cousins you? and friends. I think I was yeah. 120 pounds in third grade. Sheesh. Yeah. So, so before I... Two things on this date <laughs> that I want to say. Just quickly. I promise it'll be quick. First... This was awesome. Everyone, I, I love hearing people's stories about where they were, their memories, their all of that. It's so cool. Second, I just it sucks that like you know clinching the division is the only thing that we have to really like celebrate and talk about the anniversary of over the past you know decade and, um, plus. And hopefully that changes soon. I know that you know we're buying into it, or at least some of us are. So. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking about that. It's like, man, is this really the best thing that we have to celebrate in the in the past several years of Cincinnati baseball? I will say that that night, the two things that obviously the two big play of the game are the Bruce Walkoff and Drew Stubbs robs the hard butt of I think Michael Boren. I don't remember who exactly uh, who it, was. it was. The first baseman, Carlos Lee. Okay, Carlos Lee. Thank you. Um, I feel like the ball is in the air forever in both those circumstances. So I couldn't see that Stubbs caught the ball because of where my seats were in left field. It was right next to the foul pole. So my, I had to react to, because that was before we had the Jumbo trying to right field. So I had to react to everyone else reacting to know he caught the ball. <laughs> uh, but going back and watching it was pretty cool. But yeah, when Bruce hits the home run in the bottom of the ninth, first pitch of the inning, I thought the ball was probably, in, it felt like the ball was in the air for about 15 minutes. It was pretty awesome. In fairness to what Clay was saying, I mean, that was just such a, a unlikely moment, the way that it happened. I mean, the Reds did win 97 games two years later, but that yeah. season just didn't – they were too good. They ran away with the divisions. There was never really any big moments that that season, yeah. and then they had yeah. the unfortunate, you know, postseason. But what do you mean? They clinched the Pirates' 20th anniversary – 20 straight losing seats with Homer Bailey's no-hitter in 2012. That was two days later. I was there. It was Why? on the. I was at the series. Tim, you really got to go to a game in Pittsburgh. It's it's. Uh, I won't. Maybe, maybe they'll nice stop stadium. winning seven straight games against us if you can, you know, just suck it up and do one for the team. Mm, nope. Wow. You nope. won't do it. Won't drink their crappy Iron Steel or Iron City beer or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just you know that day that day was so cool and so special, and it, it I mean it it was it wasn't like the end; it was the start of four really good years of baseball. Even 2011, I think they were like 79 and 83. They weren't terrible. Um, then the other two years, they won over 90 games. Um, that was that was a really fun year, and you know, the Reds did that with mostly homegrown players. They had a loaded farm system, and it 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 panned out and. They had a great run, so you know you hope that that is 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 what's to come, and hopefully there won't be the the drop off after it if it does come. But um, that was a fun time. That was like the year that I caught on to like how much we were obsessed with like fan favorites and being upset when they weren't on the team anymore, because everyone under the sun loved Johnny Gomes that year, and when he was yeah. traded at the deadline next year, everyone was pissed, and I was like, guys, he's he's not very good. He's not very good. False. A thousand percent false, Sydney. I won't even wear the colors black and yellow together. I won't even wear the color yellow at all. Only for Lakers. Carlos, Carlos, are you going to tell us about your memory of the clinch fest? Uh, I saw it on TV, and then I went to the I went to San Francisco for those couple games. That was about it. Like, the year the Giants won the series, you were in San Francisco. Yeah. In ten. Me and the wifey. Oh, is that a different year? Yeah, the Reds played the Phillies in ten. That was Roy Halladay's oh. hitter. So I went to those, or I went to the game. The Reds were eliminated by the Phillies and cried actually after it. Uh, and I haven't cried at a baseball game since then. I promise. But um, yeah, I I was just expecting definitely never more. watched me pitch then, buddy. Because <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think with that being said, we kind of touched on everything here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this week's edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live. Uh, again, brought to you by Believe and Bet Online. Please be sure to go to betonline.ag and use your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, 
you should use starter code believe 50 to kind of get that bonus as well if you are still listening and watching along on youtube and have not subscribed to the channel two seconds simple click of the button and you'll get every episode we do because we always have some fun ones that we do as well uh but that's all for this week uh next week i guess is the playoffs so and the end of the our last regular season episode oh, yeah. yeah take it easy everyone we'll talk next week listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.